Well, welcome everyone to the North Board Church of Christ YouTube channel. And I'd like to thank everybody again for uh, tuning in and listening to the podcast. And I pray that they've been, uh, the messages have been beneficial and educating and, and helpful in your spiritual journey, in your walk with Christ. Today, we find ourselves in Exodus 17. And Israel, again, is murmuring. And this time they're at Rephidim. And they're headed towards Horeb, uh, Sinai, where they're going to receive the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses, the law of God. And in Rephidim, there's no water. Uh, we know before in Mara there was water, but it was bitter. And in Elam, it seemed like things were going pretty well. They had everything they needed physically. But here in Rephidim, there's no water. Put yourself in their shoes or their sandals. You look around for miles and miles and there's nothing. There's no life as far as plants and herbs and greenery. It's a desert. It's a wilderness. And you're thirsty. Your cattle are thirsty. Your children are thirsty. You look around and there's nothing. What, what do you do? What would you say? Given the history of Israel and everything that God has brought them through thus far, what would you say? Remembering that you were a slave in Egypt, working probably every day. Remembering that you were brought out with the mighty arm of God through the ten plagues that came upon the land of Egypt. And you were protected from some of those plagues. And then the Passover the lamb that was slaughtered and ate the same night and the blood was uh, pour, um, brushed on the doorposts so that your firstborn male would not die and the death angel would pass over your family. And then you were brought out through the Red Sea with Pharaoh's armies marching behind you and really nowhere to go. You were closed in and God through Moses split the Red Sea and you walked across on dry ground. God provides quail in the evening and manna each morning, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, his presence ever before you. And you got no water. What would you do? What would you say to Moses? And what they did say was they began to blame Moses. And they ask a question. The question is, is God among us or not? Now, remember, God was providing manna every morning. He was providing a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They could travel throughout any hour of the day or night. And yet they asked because of their thirst physically, is God among us or not? I would just like to read, starting in verse 1, Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses 
They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Obviously, we see this pattern, don't we, with Israel? God provides a need, they have the need fulfilled, another need arises. You should have stayed in Egypt. We've been better off in Egypt. Why'd you bring us out of Egypt to have us die in the wilderness? And obviously, they're allowing their physical need to overcome their reason. God didn't save them from Egypt just to have them die in the wilderness. But that's what happens, isn't it? And this generation of people are going to die in the wilderness because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. And Hebrews chapter 3 tells us. In verse 4, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are, they are almost ready to stone me. Now, this is something new. Now they want to kill Moses, at least in his eyes. But notice what Moses does. Moses goes where? To God. Moses goes to the Lord. Every time they come with a complaint, Moses goes to God. And we can see why God put him in charge. In verse 5, the Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you strike the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Mesa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Pretty boastful, <clears throat> pretty prideful thing to say or to ask, given all of the history of Israel up until now. Is the Lord among us or not? The, the very thing that was so evident or should have been so evident to them was the very thing they questioned. And brothers and sisters, I think for us as Christians, it may be difficult for us sometimes because we don't see God, right? There's no pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. There's no manna. Right? There's no passing through the Red Sea. Oh, but wait. There is. You see, Jesus is called the light of the world. We all have a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, don't we? Jesus Christ, the true bread of heaven, better than the manna that the father, forefathers, our forefathers of the faith ate in the wilderness because they died after they ate the manna. And Jesus says, if you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, you will have life. And so when we start to look at some of these comparisons, we can see that the very thing that should be evident to us as well, we can miss. Is the Lord among us or not? So think about what they had. What did Israel have? They had the pillar of fire. They had the cloud by day, the manna. They had freedom from Egypt, freedom from slavery, promised land to come. They were led by a faithful man in Moses. They had God's presence. They had everything they needed provided for them by God. And I hope that this message, this brief message is an encouragement to us as Christians to remember that everything we need, every spiritual gift God has given to us, 
And we're also told in John 6 that if we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, all these things that we need will be added unto us. And so, brothers and sisters, let us not be like Israel that say, with all of the evidence surrounding them, is God among us or not? Later on in the chapter, we see Moses' hands being lifted up, right, by Joshua and her, I believe. And they were fighting against the Amalekites. And the Amalekites would win when Moses' hands weren't being raised and he grew tired. And so her and Joshua would stand there and help Moses with his hands raised with his staff. And when Moses' hands were raised, the Amalekites lost to Israel. Even in that, we can see God working. In Nehemiah 9, I just want to go there. I think it's very fitting to see the wall being rebuilt. And the people are there. They're, they're hearing the word of God. And in verse number, let's go to number 9. Nehemiah 9, we'll start in verse 9. He says, You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave, to them, command, gave them commands, decrees and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. And in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They refused to listen. Why? Had God not done enough? Had God not shown his power and his presence in the midst of Israel? He had, hadn't he? Why did they refuse to listen? It's the same reason why some of us today refuse to listen. Maybe they knew best. Maybe you think you know best. Or I think I know best sometimes. And if we could trust that God's word is true. Not that that's the only thing that God gives and provides today, is it? No, it's not. But if we could just trust that his word is true. Israel refused to listen. It says they were stiff-necked and they did not obey the commands 
They failed to remember the miracles. How, how could they fail to remember the miracles? And Brother Vaughn, I think, is going to be speaking on uh, remembering in his sermon. And that's a good lesson for us to not forget the good that God has already given to us and the, the trials and the tribulations that he's already brought us through, right? Let's not forget that. It's so easy to as human beings, but let's not forget his miracles, if you will, in our lives. As we continue on, verse 17, they refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. They wanted to go back to Egypt. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And we talked about this this last Wednesday, didn't we, with regard to the Old Testament God. And the God of the Old Testament seems different than the God in the New Testament. And right here we see, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate. That's the crowd of these people who have gathered because the wall had been rebuilt. It says, therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Or when they committed awful blasphemies. And we haven't yet reached that point in Exodus yet. We're about to a few chapters here from now. We see what they do when Moses takes too long coming back from the mountain, receiving the instructions of God and the law of God. Verse 19 Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. Brothers and sisters, God made it uh, abundantly clear that he was there. He was providing for them daily, morning by morning. New mercies I see, right? We sing the song. Brothers and sisters, I think that we can have confidence in taking the example of Israel and saying, even though we may not be able to see, although they could physically see God, as far as his presence and being shown through the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire and the manna, God was there in their midst. And brothers and sisters, I think if we open our eyes, our spiritual eyes and the mind, in our mind, we can see God in our lives every day. He is providing for us and causing things to happen in our favor that we don't realize yet. And he's also preventing things from happening, right? Things that we don't even have to think of because he's watching over us. But there are trials, aren't there? There are temptations that come our way. Life happens. But we can be confident in knowing that the same God that was with Israel is the same God who's with us today. In Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is a promise that God has given to those who are faithful to him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Even in death, isn't isn't this interesting? Even in death, God will not forsake us. That's powerful. 
And so we recall the history of Israel, and we're in the midst of it now. We are approaching Sinai. We are approaching the giving of the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses by God. And we're at Rephidim, where there's no water. It reminds me of John chapter 4. Jesus greets the the Samaritan woman at the well. And he asks her what? What does he ask her? Give me a drink. And what does she reply? Well, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And we get more involved in their conversation. And the end result is what? She walks away seeing Jesus for who he really is. He, he is the first one. She is the first one he reveals himself to, a Samaritan woman. Think about that. Jesus reveals himself first to this woman. And then she goes and tells the town. See, she could see what was right in front of her. She could see that Jesus was there and he was the Messiah. And then she went and told the whole town. And the whole town said, we, we've already seen it. We don't, we, you don't need to tell us anymore. We've seen it with our own eyes. We, we have recognized God's presence among us. Israel had all of these signs. And they didn't recognize. They asked the question, is God among us or not? The Samaritans, they said, God is among us. The Messiah is among us. And they had lust to go with. Is the Lord among us or not? Israel had everything they needed to answer that question in the affirmative. And brothers and sisters, I would argue that we do as well as Christians. But if we don't, what will it take? Are you asking that question? Is God among us or not? Maybe, maybe you are going through one of those trials. Maybe you are being tempted by Satan and your own desires. Maybe you've been overcome by sin in your life. Repent. Go to the Lord and help for help. Go to that throne of grace to receive mercy in the time of need. Go to your brother and sister and confide. And brother and sister, if they're confiding in you, keep it in confidence. You want to help, don't we? We want to help. But what will it take then? Brothers and sisters, we have to remember what we have. You say, well, they had a pillar of fire by night. Well, what does John say in John chapter 1 about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, Jesus is the light of the world. He shines in the darkness the same way that pillar of fire shone in the darkness in the midst of Israel. Jesus shines in the darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light 
so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we have that pillar of fire. We have that light in the darkness, too. And his name is Jesus Christ. You say, well, they had a cloud during the day. Well, brothers and sisters, we have a cloud, too. In Hebrews chapter 12, we see it. We have those who are faithful in the previous chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, uh, Noah, and a few others that we know of that are mentioned there in Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews 12, they are our cloud of witnesses in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing, fixing our eyes, excuse me, on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning a chain, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And brothers and sisters, we have a cloud too, don't we? All those who've gone before us and all those we're reading and studying about and preaching about now in our series in Genesis and in our series in Exodus, we see those who are faithful, that cloud of witnesses. And so we have light and darkness. We have Jesus Christ, the light that's come into the world, lighting the darkness. We have the cloud of witnesses before us. We have a bread from heaven. Just like Israel did. Jesus Christ in John chapter 6. And I spoke about this in the last sermon. But I want to continue on where I left off there. I didn't really read 52 through 58. And that's what I want to do now. John 6, 52 through 58. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves saying. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus had just said. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have no life in you. And Jesus said to them. Verily, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And so they may have had the manna every single morning they rose, except for the Sabbath. We as Christians, it says, have a greater bread, the real bread, the true bread from heaven. Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And so you start to see this picture now, don't you? You say, well, Israel had all these signs. But we do too. We have light in the darkness. We have a cloud of witnesses. We have the true bread of heaven, that manna from heaven, Jesus Christ, his body and his blood. We have freedom from slavery. That's what Romans 6 talks about. We are no longer slaves of sin. 
with slaves to righteousness now and a promise of eternal life, just like they had the promise of a promised land. We have the promise of the promised land. What is it that they had that we don't? What is it that you have in Christ? In 1 Corinthians 10, the rock that was struck was Christ. And going back to the Samaritan woman, Jesus told her, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask and he would give you living water springing up to eternal life. Jesus Christ, the thirst quencher. Quenching our thirst, our our spiritual need, he fulfills. And brothers and sisters, we continue that drinking, don't we? We continue uh, that needing of his body and blood, don't we? And, And that's symbolized in the Lord's Supper. That desire to meet him there, to remember his body and his blood shed for our sins. The living water, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. They were led by a faithful leader in Moses, and we as well are. In Hebrews 3, one, uh, 1 through 6 says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was, was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. Jesus Jesus is greater than Moses. And as faithful as Moses was, and he was, as a servant, Jesus was faithful as a son. And it says that we, Christians, are his house. And he's faithful over it. Brothers and sisters, trust in his faithfulness to who he is. To what he's promised us as Christians. And it says, if we hold fast, right? Christ is faithful as the son of a God's house and we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. We got to hold fast brothers and sisters to the hope that we have in Christ. Sometimes that's not easy, is it? No, it's not. So what will it take then for you to avoid asking the question, is God with us or not? Will it take a pillar of fire? Maybe a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day. What if it takes manna from heaven? We have all this, brothers and sisters. We have a faithful leader. 
we have everything we need to believe that God is with us. Don't allow a temporary trial. Try not to allow a temporary trial to get you to doubt the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Because it may just be in that very trial that God is showing himself clearly. Will you have faith to see it? Isaiah 55, and we'll stop here. He says this, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. He says, listen, incline your ear. Listen to me. Do what I say. Obey. You'll be blessed for it. And what does it tell us back in Exodus 17 that they did not do? It says that they refused to listen. Oh, Nehemiah tells us that, Nehemiah 9. They refused to listen. They forgot the miracles. Brothers and sisters, we cannot allow ourselves to forget what God has already done by redeeming us, saving us from our sins, and giving us a hope of eternal life. We cannot forget that. Nor can we get to a point in our hearts where we refuse to listen. Isaiah tells us to listen. Come and drink freely. Why do you buy uh, things that do not satisfy? Why do you work for bread that does not satisfy? Right? Why spend money on what is not bread? Excuse me, I misquoted it. And your labor on what does not satisfy? She says, come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters and drink. And that's the kind of God that we serve. Maybe you find yourself at Rephidim. And you're looking around. And you're thirsty. There's no water to be found. You're struggling. You're looking at your family. You're looking at Moses. And you're doubting whether or not God is with you. Brothers and sisters, remember, we have light in the darkness. That we have a cloud of witnesses. We have the true bread from heaven, Jesus Christ. And we have freedom from sin and a land that has been promised to us, a heavenly home. And we have a faithful leader just like Israel did in Moses. We have in Jesus so do you doubt the one thing you have overwhelming evidence of? God's presence? You feel alone, abandoned. I know I can feel that way sometimes. And uh, 
one thing I think that has kept me through, there's, there's several things, but one thing that has really kept me looking towards heaven in spite of some of my sadness or overwhelming emotions or doubt is his word. If I can't trust the word of God, then there's no word that I can't trust. The creator of the universe has promised it. It'll happen. God bless you guys. Take care and pray that this brief message encourage you somehow, some way. We'd love to see you in the Northboro Church of Christ and bring your family and we'll all learn more about Jesus together and, and walk this journey towards heaven, towards God. God bless.